From Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity, this is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome back to the Pastor's Table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Wanstrom. And it is our privilege today to welcome Chris DeMott, Pastor Chris DeMott, to the conversation this morning. Uh, we're talking about, uh, we started this podcast by talking about incarnation because the point of the podcast is what are our theological convictions? How, how do they form our ministry? We started with incarnation and uh, moved to soteriology. And uh, it, the conversation has evolved. So we're not we're talking about soteriology as it relates to place, and that's quite incarnational, as a matter of fact. But our soteriology is grounded in incarnation. But uh, when Marshall Hatch spoke uh, last week, um, he talked about being at his church for thirty years. Prior to Marshall Hatch, several episodes before that, Brian Zahn talked about being at his church for 30 years through the ups and the downs. And so uh, we thought we ought to give some more consideration to the importance of place to pastoral ministry and the importance of place to uh, the story of salvation, to soteriology. Um, I think it used to be that pastors would move around more than they do. And I think we have more pastors who are staying longer in single churches. Um, and that's not, I don't think that's accidental. I think that's as a consequence of theological convictions. And the reason we've invited Chris DeMott is because he has been a pastor for 20 years in Reed City, Michigan. Where in the world is Reed City, Michigan? Well, we consider Reed City to be in Northern Michigan. We're about an hour North of Grand Rapids. Reed City has a whopping total population of about 3000 people. If we stretch out to our county, there's about 20,000 of us. We're pretty rural. We love being outdoors. And this time of year, we're ready to ramp up because Friday night football is the king of this town. And so um, just your good, classic, small, rural town, northern Michigan. So Reed City has, uh, so has 3,000 people in it, mm -hmm. and you have been there 20 years. Yes. How'd you end up in Reed City? Um. I, I ended up in Reed City, um, kind of exactly how I've ended up everywhere, just in terms of ministry and in terms of my calling. Pretty much my entire, I guess, Christian journey, I just say, has just been slow, incremental steps of obedience. And so if you don't mind, I'll go all the way back to the beginning. Sure. Um, yeah, I, please I, do. I, I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in a pastor's home. And so as a young child, became a Christian. I remember, you know, in the middle of vacation Bible school, sitting there in that front pew, praying that prayer and literally walking out of the sanctuary that day. And I can still see it in my mind's eye. I literally looked around at the people there and I thought to myself, do they know I'm different? And so something, something real had happened even as a child in my life. And then you just have to fast forward lots of years of church participation, um, but after my senior year of high school um, at a camp meeting service, I knelt at those altars and just completely committed my whole life, my whole being hmm. to the Lord. And that triggered a few things. That triggered my college plans to be changed. Mm -hmm. And so I went home and I told my mom and dad that 
um, I didn't want to go to the community college anymore. I wanted to go to Olivet Nazarene <laughs> University. And my mom broke out in tears and I said, mom, please, it's not like I'm going there to get called into the ministry or anything. <laughs> um, and so, so I, I, I ended up at Olivet during that year. One of my best friends got me involved in youth for Christ ministry. And we began to just develop this, this friendship. And then fast forward another year, I'm home walking through the halls of my father's church where I had grown up for many years. And, um, one of the, one of the sweet ladies who was cleaning the church on that day, she just stopped me and she said, Hey, tell me about what's happening in your life and where God is leading you. And we just began this conversation and she said, well, that's great. But I, you just need to know, I've always pictured you following in your father's footsteps. Hmm. Honestly, I never had up to that point. And that was kind of a tipping point for me that I began to just really consider what God wanted for me. Because mm -hmm. at that point, what I was studying was all about my own giftedness, about what I wanted. Um, I was pretty good with math. I liked accounting and finance. Um, I, I think all these years later, I like it still because numbers behave themselves, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I, I wasn't really thinking about working with people, but God had other things in mind. And so um, I, I changed my major. I pursued that um, right after right after college. God opened up a door for me to begin part time youth ministry in Three Rivers, Michigan, mm -hmm. which was perfect because uh, my wife Linda um, had already begun her teaching career in a community very close to there. And then uh, God led us to a church in Saginaw, where I was in full time ministry for about eight years, and sat under. A relationship with a pastor to this day that I just so esteem. I mean, who I am today is so much of what he built into me hmm. over those eight years. And then lo and behold, um, I got a call and an open door to come and interview in Reed City. And here we are two decades later, just slow, incremental steps of obedience, the right conversation at the right time, the right seed planted, um, the right open door. And here we are. What's just kind of wild to me is hearing that and connecting some of the dots is just as a very side note, not related to this podcast, but I graduated uh, from Olivet Nazarene University in 2005, interviewed and had a job offer for the youth pastor role in Saginaw. Uh, and so just kind of small world, um, almost maybe would have filled your shoes, um, <laughs> but, but God ended up leading me to Owego, New York instead. So, mm -hmm. so you left Saginaw in about 2003 or four then, right? Yep. 2003. Wow. Yeah. 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 You were going to succeed him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Unless they had a guy <laughs> in the middle or a girl in the middle yeah. that didn't work out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So when you went to Reed City, you thought, okay, this is where I'm going to stay the rest of my life. Um, no, I didn't <laughs> have, I didn't have that plan, but I'm going to be honest. Um, the seed was actually planted by my father. Hmm. So, um, because my father, uh, who spent, um, he spent 40 years in pastoral ministry. He retired for about a year and then went back at it for another eight. Sounds um, like a pastor. But, 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 but he just, he looked at me as kind of a young father and a young pastor. And he said, he said, I just want you to consider something. He said, all, all of our other friends and family that, go into other career choices, um, look for a place to just settle down. 
and say, mm-hmm. this, this is where I can raise my family. This is where we can grow up together. This is where we can create lifelong friendships and relationships. Maybe you, even as a pastor, should think with that ideal in mind. And if Reed City can just be a place that you can just settle into, then why not? Just mm. don't, don't be anxious. Don't, don't keep looking to go other places. Just settle in. And unless God moves you, just be there in that place for as long as you can be. And So that, that's such a good word because I think that so many pastors are always thinking about the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I see this a lot with young pastors. Um, yeah. Thinking about, okay, so what's the next step on the ladder? Uh, what's the next big thing? Is it going to keep growing and expanding from here? And I do think that oftentimes when God leads us to the next thing, I'm not, I'm not denying that uh, these moments aren't led by the Spirit, but also there are times when God calls us to say, stay. And the lure of the next big thing is there. So, so how have you, I mean, I would imagine those moments of temptation for the next big thing have come your way. Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah. And, and um, they were, I received more invitations early on, um, mm-hmm. to be honest, mm-hmm. because um, after, after moving to Reed City, um, we did experience some, some nice days of blessing and growth. Um, but after 20 years, I kind of joke, um, I've, I've outstayed my expertise, you know, I've outstayed my brilliance. And so, you know, the, the, the level of the, the people who want to tap into this anymore, that that's a really shrinking pool. Um, and so I think, I think Dr. Quanstrom, you mentioned it even in some of your story that every time that phone rings, you have to ask yourself is, is this a real opportunity or is this a temptation? Right. Um, and the, by God's grace, every time I've kind of received one of those phone calls over my 20 years, um, I haven't been in a position of great temptation. Mm. We haven't been in the midst of struggle. We haven't been in the midst of chaos, Mm. but just, again, just settled in. And so I think God has been very gracious and that allows me just ample opportunity to, to give that consideration. Is Mm -hmm. this the opportunity or just a way out? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we've, we've just never taken the way out. We've just dug in deeper every Mm -hmm. single time. So that's really interesting. I'm going to go back to, so your dad says, think about a place to raise your family as a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's so usual in other vocations. Right. I mean, I mean, right now. And it, and it's true that it does. A lot of times it doesn't work out. I mean, because you get promoted or you get transferred and you end up, I mean, mm-hmm. people do move. Right. Yep. But, Going in with the intention mm-hmm. to not leave mm-hmm. feels different to me. It, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of wipes out the, not wipes out, but it kind of tempers the ambition. Yeah. Uh, the good. ambition that is such a temptation for pastors. Yeah, the lure of ambition and success and the next thing. It feels more, it feels more like a servant. Mm. So, um, yeah. And, 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 you know, when, um, when, when I was, when I was called to Reed city, 
um, you know, with, within our particular denomination, you candidate and then the congregation votes for you. And, you know, you go through that whole process. And um, I, I wasn't here very long before um, one of my, he's a very close friend of mine now. He, he just said, he said, you need to know something, Pastor Chris, um, that when, you, when we saw your resume, you were not who we were looking for. <laughs> and and then then I had another gal that came into my office and she said, she said, Pastor Chris, you know um, that when we voted to call you as our pastor, I was one of the no votes. And wow. and 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 I say all of that, not because those were bad circumstances for me. It it reminds me that um, I have a lot of need to just keep growing. And so to just stay in one place um, just requires you deeply to just dig into that constant pattern of growth over the years, to not assume that you know enough or you've done enough. And so for me, I think it's been really, really helpful as somebody mm -hmm. who's just slow and methodical mm -hmm. in their spiritual journey to be in a place that every month requires me to keep moving and to keep mm -hmm. growing. And because if I don't, it's noticeable. I mean, there's a 20 year track record. Right. And so, right. So, so you, you've stayed, um, 20 years and it's all been easy, right? <laughs> oh, how I wish that were true. <laughs> the longer um, you stay, the easier it gets, right? <laughs> um, actually it's, it's funny that the longer you stay, some of the e some of the things that should be easy actually get more and more difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, my again back to my father. Sorry, but we've talked over the years, and um, Dr. Quanstrom, you'd understand this from your long tenure in your church. I mean, the 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 story of Advent and the story of Easter are yeah. the story. How do you how do you every year enter into them in a way? that continues to be heartfelt and mm -hmm. and and to to dig deeper into all of those things and so even even preaching well to a congregation 20 years in a row you would think that would be easy mm -hmm. um cuz the words in front of us but mm -hmm. there's there's difficulty in that um along the way um you know i one of the one of the hardest things that we actually walked through um it, it nearly, it nearly broke me. Um, so my church has been very gracious and, um, with our long term here, they've, they've granted me on two different occasions, a lengthy sabbatical. Mm -hmm. But when I returned, when I returned after my first sabbatical, um, I just knew and sensed that something was wrong. Hmm. Something had turned Whoa. in the context of, what was happening in my church. Um, and long, long story short, um, I learned within a matter of weeks that something had triggered um, in my, my associate pastor, who was one of my best friends at the time. And we walked through a very public time frame where he left the church, he separated from his wife, mm. he began a new relationship, and, and all of that happened in, in a small town. And, um, wow. and, and my whole mindset was, I am not going to lose this, we are going to win this. Mm. And when your only objective is to win, um, you can get toxic. And, and I, I became 
toxic. And it, it nearly broke me. Um, funny enough, uh, I, uh, I just left our church. I, I took a, I took a three week vacation. I had just been gone on sabbatical and then I, I leave again. Um, and I, I ran to my mother-in-law's home and at her church speaking was Dr. Quanstrom for a revival service. Mm. <laughs> and so I don't know this yeah. story. Um, and, uh, you were at you were at Chapman Memorial speaking um, for revival services, and you and I just sat on the front row. And honestly, I don't remember a lot of the conversation other than just uh, a safety net and a reminder to just relax and to allow God to just show you through this. Mm -hmm. um, that. Um, that he's he's he hasn't left you in the midst of the chaos, and so um, we went we went back home, and um, I was gone for three Sundays in a row. And one of my one of my key leaders in my church said, "Hey, we're all wondering if you're going to tell us today." Uh -huh. And I said, "I said, tell you what, tell us if you're still going to be our pastor." Mm. And um, mm. and I did because that's what I wanted, but. I didn't know it would be kind of that hard. Mm -hmm. So, so going into something determined to win is a toxic. Mm -hmm. What what's the what's the different perspective? Um, because we don't we think the, in terms of winners and losers. We always think in terms of winners and losers. Zero, I do zero um, sum game. Yeah, yeah. So I, what's what's the alternative perspective? If you if you said you said okay, I wanted to win this right, which mm -hmm. I'm which I think you meant I'm gonna I'm going to assert my authority. I'm going to uh, reclaim my church, right? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. I'm yes. not going to let this be taken away from me, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. This this is mine, and I'm going to keep it. That's mm -hmm. the win thing, right? Yep. What's the alternative? The, the alternative for me was to come to a clear recognition that it simply wasn't my church. Mm. That um, it's, it's our father's church. Yeah. And he has established his son as the head. Oh. And he's, ca he's called me to be a humble shepherd mm -hmm. along the way. Mm -hmm. And if, if I want to try to upend that hierarchy, I'm in big trouble. Wow. So you wow. had to leave three weeks so that everyone would know it's not your church, mm -hmm. that this was in uh, God's hands. That's why you left for three weeks again, because if you had stayed, you would have tried to assert control. You had to turn it all over to the wow. Lord. Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't, oh, I mean, oh, that is so sanctifying. Oh, that, yeah. that, and go ahead. And, and again, just to belabor, um, we're not I mean, belaboring it, it. It was, it was not, it was not easy. Yeah, it was not easy, and um, and I need to I need to just kind of maybe finish the yes. story a little bit yeah. to tell yeah. you that um, as a pastor um, and as a church, we have come full circle, mm. um, and um, it's it's not the same, but um, he and I are friends again. In fact, um, we just just yesterday morning. Um, a group of guys from our church, we sat around a table at a coffee shop and, um, my friend, my former associate who has, 
himself been on a long spiritual journey. Um, he sat amongst that table with us. He attends mm. church here with us. Wow. Um, he's, he's remarried and there's some new family and things like that. But we've, we have come full circle by God's grace um, to kind of reconcile some of those things and um, come along. And, and I know we wouldn't have done that if I had just, again, uh, allowed just my full competitive nature to come out and say, nope, I'm guarding this. We're going to win this. Um, and so just to, I hope that makes sense. But by God's grace, he has, he's allowed us to work through some of those really, really tough days. Yeah, I mean, that's the messiness of ministry, right? Like, that's not a case study. That's not in a textbook. There's nothing black and white about that. But that is the day in and day out call to leaning in uh, into things that require uh, being theological practitioners, um, but also profoundly reflective. I mean, you had to get into a place where you allowed the Lord to search your heart. You allowed the Lord to search your intentions um, and your motivation and reveal uh, to you uh, your role in this, that this was not yours to control or to coerce or to win or to manipulate, but to step back to surrender and let go. And hearing that your associate pastor is now back with a new marriage with a new family. That's messy, but that's only a story that I think that's the spirit of God can weave together. And one that you would only understand really if you were if you were there. Like on location. Like I mean we're talking about this and people are going to make their own conclusions, mm -hmm. their own judgments, um they have their own questions. Right? But no one understands quite like the pastor who's been in this church for the long haul, who understands the context, who understands the relationships, and understands how the Spirit can weave something like this together. And it just reminds me of, you know, I mean, Jesus moving into the neighborhood. We're talking about, um, you know, soteriology, and we've talked a lot about incarnation. And, I mean, Jesus took if he had a zip code, his zip code, seriously, right? Like mm -hmm. he was, he was on location, uh, understood the context in ways that we still to this day will never fully understand and met people where they were in their context, in their location. And Pastor Chris, that's, that's what you've been doing. And it's messy and it's not textbook worthy. It's not case study worthy. But it's this idea of incarnational ministry. So that this this would have had a different ending had you not been at Reed City. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, maybe I mean God's not constrained, right? The young man would have been redeemed, but we would not have had this story of reconciliation had you not stayed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I, I've, yeah. I, I've, and, go ahead. And and I'm. I'm I'm going to be honest. Um, I'm thrilled that that we've walked through this reconciliation um, because it's made our church healthier. Okay. But if if but if I hadn't stayed, I would have not walked through Ooh. this path this path of reconciliation. Wow. And I'm going to tell you, I needed that probably more than the church did. Wow. 
Yeah, so we've talked about this, how the call is salvific mm -hmm. and how the vocation mm -hmm. is sanctifying. Mm -hmm. And so to, to stay for 20 years, you said you've outlived your brilliance, right? That's, I mean, yes. <laughs> I've not heard anybody say that before. I've not heard anybody admit that before. I think it's true. We do outlive our brilliance, right? Which is why we move on. I've done everything I can do here. The Lord is calling me somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. in, instead of digging in, right? It's instead of saying, so but you haven't, so maybe you've outlived your brilliance. I mean, I understand why you're saying that. I don't think that's true, but you haven't outlived what? Because you're um, still there. Th right, right. Well, I haven't, um, I just simply haven't outlived the call. You All right. Know, we, yeah. I, I, there, there's not, there's not another door opening by which I really believe that God has said, it's time to close this one. It's time to walk right. through this one. And so, so that's a very definite thing. There's also just this clear reality for me that, um, that the work is completely unfinished, um, you know, because one of the things that you see with when you stay at a place for 20 years is you watch this uh, generational growth within families. Yeah. And and you just know that this growth, what God is doing, is just ongoing. And there's still such work to be done and there's still lives uh, to be poured into. And, uh, you know, so so for me, it's both you know, just this clear reality. Um, we've done a lot, but we're not even close to being done. And um, when the time is arrives, if it ever does, that it, it's time for me to leave, that God will just give huge clarity to that as well. And it'll be, it'll be proper. So um, just, uh, no, just continual day in and day out, just trying to do the work. It seems to me that uh, if I'm attending your church and you're my pastor for 20 years and I'm, you have people at your church who've been there the whole time you have, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's, and I mean, some have come and some have gone, I'm sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have new folk that, that you've not been their pastor for 20 years, but maybe for five or one or something. Right. Yes. But for those folk who have been there 20 years, I'm thinking out loud here. Um, what they're witnessing is the life of Christ in their pastor as their pastor matures as their pastor grows you're not the same pastor you were 20 years ago right. you're not no. the same pastor you were five years ago right right and it seems to me that 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 gives them permission to grow it gives them permission to to continue to mature it, that that i mean you used what's the language you used uh sl slow growth i mean you reminded me yeah, of just, it reminded me of Peterson's uh, long obedience in the mm -hmm. same direction. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. that wasn't your phrase. Uh, you right. said it differently. Yeah, just slow incremental steps of obedience. Yeah, just kind of plodding forward. Yeah, but that gives. I mean, that gives people. I mean, that's such a gracious picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. Whether you're a pastor, whether yeah. you're a lay leader, whether um, you're a Bible study teacher. That's, it's that in which God calls us to, right? It's that yep. incremental. We can't, we can't plot it out 20 steps. Uh, sometimes it's one little step at a time, but it's the faithfulness over the long haul.